two weeks ago, we had Coach Joe Kennedy on the podcast. Um, so let's talk a little bit about his case and uh, Coach Joe Kennedy. The government's um, uh, justification for censoring his speech uh, was just not sufficient here in order to, uh, to overcome uh, Coach Kennedy's free speech rights to pray. After the, the game was over um, at midfield, so, you know, it's a, a great win that frankly protects the free speech rights of everybody. Um, it's very easy in these free speech cases um, to for people to get caught up in the idea that, well, this just protects people like uh, like Coach Joe. There are all kinds of faculty members on university campuses. This is part of our argument in, uh, in our brief for Americans for Prosperity Foundation. Um, lots of people who would probably disagree with his exercise of his faith, whose free speech rights were protected because the Supreme Court decided the case in his favor. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, thanks for joining us on another edition of American Potential. I'm excited because it's Constitution Week. The United States Constitution, so brilliantly devised by our founding fathers, set forth a government with its checks and balances and separate but equal branches of government. And in my view, it's the most brilliant governing document ever devised by humans. It was revolutionary at the time. And then through the Bill of Rights, it enshrined what our founders laid out as God given rights that individuals the people, were entitled to, and it set limits on government so that government couldn't infringe upon those rights. The Constitution was signed on September 17th of 1787 in Philadelphia, and it was the framework of how a central government would operate and the restrictions that would be placed on it. Now, it put restrictions not on citizens, but on government a brilliant turn of events for the world and for our republic. The Constitution was first ratified in 1791, which gave us the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution has been amended a total of 27 times. On August 29, 1956, President Dwight Eisenhower signed a proclamation making September 17th the start of Constitution Week to take time to celebrate and reflect on the historical act of the Constitution being signed. Now, on today's episode, we're going to talk about the greatness of our Constitution and Constitution Week with Casey Maddox, who's the Vice President of Legal and Judicial Strategy for Americans for Prosperity. Uh, Casey, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know you're an attorney. Um, I have always loved the Constitution and just hold it up as such an, a, a wonderful document for all of humankind, really, to, to look to. And there have been other countries that have tried to model what our founders did. Why, why is it important in your mind to celebrate Constitution Week? You know, I, I think the, the Constitution Day, really, uh, and celebrating our Constitution are, are really uh, sort of undervalued. Uh, right. I mean, it almost kind of sneaks up on people. If you think about it at all, it's because you, you sort of hear about it, the, you know, the morning of Constitution Day or something. Someone mentions it. Um, and it really shouldn't be that way, because really, you know, the, 
the Constitution is uh, everything that we think about in terms of the 4th of July and some of the other patriotic holidays that we celebrate about what America is, is really because of the Constitution itself, right? Uh, 4th of July gave us uh, the Declaration of Independence, but we could have gone the path of basically every other country that had existed before us, including the one that we had separated from, and basically won our independence and then immediately put ourselves right back under uh, the power of a king. And that's not what America did. We chose a totally different path, and that path is in our Constitution. Um, and so that, that really is what makes us the people that we are, uh, not just having, you know, uh, having won at Yorktown and, and won our independence from the British. Um, it's really the, the fact that we, as you said, we created this governing document that protected individual rights and made sure that we weren't going to be subject anymore to the decisions of, of one particular person who happened to be uh, in power and claimed that uh, divine power. Instead, power actually came from the people themselves. It was uh, the American people that actually gave the government any sort of authority. Uh, and, and we laid out that authority and spelled it out and told government what it could and could not do. Um, that's what makes America so unique. And that's why I think Constitution Day is something that we should all be celebrating a lot more. So I have this theory that that w- one of the reasons we need to welcome immigrants to the United States mm-hmm. is there they bring this this love and this understanding, I think, of the way it is in other countries that it's not. Yeah. I think we just take it for granted sometimes in America. And I, yeah. I, I look at. At even my own life, you know, I, I think it's easy to take things for granted. It's kind of like your health. If you have health, you take it for granted. As soon as you don't have health, you realize how precious health is. Same thing is true with freedom and liberty. Um, but but that's what celebrating the Constitution is about, is for, for people to understand that. How do we do that? How do we make people understand the value and the beauty of this document? Yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, the first thing I, I would encourage people to do on Constitution Day is to read the Constitution. It's actually not very long. I think people have this perspective, this assumption that the Constitution is, you know, it's this very long document. I mean, we're a big country and there's a lot that goes on in our government. Surely a governing document that, um, you know, sets up our American government must be this, uh, you know, very long document. And it's really not. Um, it's, a, it's a few thousand words and it spells out pretty clearly um, how the system is going to work. So you'll find surprises there. Um, you'll find things that you'll you'll say, boy, it doesn't seem like we actually do it this way. Um, I read what the document says, but it doesn't seem like we actually follow this the way that it says it on paper. You'll find plenty of those situations. Um, and that's a, you know, it's a constant effort to make sure that the government actually stays within the bounds. But I think the first thing you do is read it. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a pretty quick read. Um, and, you know, I think there are great resources, the Bill of Rights Institute, uh, Foundation for Individual Rights uh, and Expression have some great resources, especially on the First Amendment. Um, there's some great resources to check out that we can, uh, can put in the, uh, in the notes. Um, and, you know, the, the Constitution uh, Center um, in Philadelphia uh, is constantly having just uh, excellent programming. So, you know, I think there's a, a lot you can, can do to just remind yourself about the value of the Constitution and, and why it's so unique. So let's go over some of the basics of the Constitution. So let's talk about the articles in, in the Constitution itself. What do the articles establish? 
Sure. I, you know, basically the Constitution starts, Article 1, um, starts out with uh, what some people would argue is supposed to be the most important branch uh, of the government. It starts out with uh, the legislative power is invested in Congress. Uh, and, you know, and then it lays out basically how Congress is supposed to, uh, to be constructed of the Senate and House of Representatives and how they were to be populated um, and the powers that they have. Uh, specifically, what are the specific things that, that uh, Congress gets to do? The list of things. And they agonized over that list, um, but the, the list of things. Congress has, of course, expanded that power, and that's the project for all of us uh, as Americans is to basically uh, remind Congress what it is one, what it is actually supposed to be doing. You are the lawmaking uh, uh, branch, not uh, the executive branch, not the administrative state. And two, these are the things you're, these are the, the list of things you're actually uh, empowered to do, not things that aren't on the list. Uh, and so that's Article 1. Article 2 is the executive powers and the president. Article 3 um, is uh, the Supreme Court and the lower courts. So your, your three branches of government are spelled out right at the very top. And then, of course, as you, you go on in the articles, um, you have uh, uh, you know, the, the rules for how to amend the document. As you mentioned before, 27 times uh, that that's been used. It's the brilliance, I think, of the Constitution is the fact that it not only sort of uh, limited government, created this government, but it also assumed that there are going to be things that we need to change and we're going to put in print exactly how we're going to do that. Um, and so uh, it's really, you know, the... the Longest, uh, longest lasting to date uh, written charter for government uh, that exists in the world. Um, and part of that is because uh, it's, it's so short, it's so simple, um, it spells out the basic rules and it says, and here's how we're going to uh, allow those rules to be changed uh, going forward. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's sort of uh, amazing. And it, by the way, it's not an accident if you if you read the Federalist Papers and 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 other documents that Article One is the legislative branch, right? right. It, it would have been the king if they were doing this in Britain uh, potentially. But right. you know, they very much wanted that legislative branch to to be. They're, they're all separate but equal branches, but they sort of set Article One up. Uh, there. And, and again, that's not a coincidence that they did that, right? No, that's right. I mean, those were the people's representatives, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Constitution uh, begins with we the people, right? And the preamble, it's we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. So we the people are creating this government. That is totally unlike anything else that had happened in the world before. Um, you know, uh, in the past, it's basically someone raised an army, they conquered some people, and because you you uh, did the conquering, you and your ancestors, your descendants, get to be the ones uh, who rule over them and tell them how to how to do things. Right. Um, that wasn't our system. We decided, look, the, the people are the ones who actually uh, you know, get to make the calls, and so we do that through our elected representatives in Congress. That's why it's. Um, you know, right up top. I mean, just, you know, again, reading through the document um, can help you to better understand um, some of these political fights that you see playing out in Washington, D.C. and uh, between Washington and the states. Um, and they can seem sort of, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, esoteric fights, right? Um, but they're really about 
very often some of these very fundamental principles. Um, who is supposed to be in charge here? And if it's the American people that are the ones that are in charge, we're supposed to be in charge working through the people that we elect. Um, and that's, you know, uh, it's a, a, a key facet of what makes us the country that we are. The most amazing uh, thing, I think, is the entire concept of that these these are rights that government can't take away. And we when we talk about the Bill of Rights, of course, when the Constitution was ratified, we got the Bill of Rights. And I want to talk about the First Amendment in just a second. But um, I want to talk about the idea, which was radical at the time, right, that these aren't rights given by government. The, the Constitution didn't grant these rights, according to our founders. These are God-given rights, the right to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the other things laid out in the First Amendment we'll talk about in a minute. They were given by God, and, and, and the Bill of Rights basically limits government's ability and power to take those rights away from the people, right? That's right. You know, and, and at the at the founding, there wasn't really a debate about whether or not people had those rights that are in the right. Bill of Rights. The only question was, look, should we spell those out, or is it is it better to leave it as it is? Because, like James Madison, for example, his first argument was, we don't need to spell out that people have a right to free speech. We didn't give the government the power to regulate speech, so we're already done here. Um, it, it can only do the things that we gave it the power to do. And we didn't say they could regulate speech. So we're, we're good. Um, but I think what that tells us is, um, you know, there wasn't really a debate uh, about whether, you know, the, the two sides, about whether or not we, we needed a bill of rights. It wasn't about whether or not um, people had these rights, because as you said, uh, the, the founders understood that these rights were not something that the constitution was giving us. Um, they were something the Constitution was acknowledging that we already had. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, that is a that's a big change. Uh, if you think about kings for thousands and thousands of years, um, you didn't have rights against the king. Um, the king was you know, God's representative on earth. And, and what the Constitution is saying is, no, you have that backwards. Um, it's the people that have rights from their creator. And they are telling government, you don't have the ability to take that away from us. We're giving government some power, but we're not giving you power over fundamental rights. That's a totally different way of understanding how government is supposed to work. And it's why when you talk to a, a, a constitutional lawyer like myself, uh, we, we can get really picky about this, uh, this point. Uh, you'll we'll see things all the time where people talk about how uh, the First Amendment gives us the right to and, um, you know, most constitutional lawyers will start to bristle um, at, at that suggestion. Um, it's a, it's a common, uh, common misstatement, but it's a really, really important principle. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the other, the, the, uh, the follow on part to that is that the, the bill of rights then goes on and limits government and, and says government cannot do these things that would take yep. away these freedoms. And that's, I mean, it's just revolutionary. It was revolutionary at the time. And it, yep. it, it, it really has allowed freedom and liberty to flourish in America. That's right. It's basically a belt and suspenders approach, right? Yeah. Article one says these are the things government gets to do. Um, and restricting your rights is not on that list. And they said, okay, well, just to be absolutely clear, we're going to put down a list of things um, and then put a, a provision in that says we're not even limiting it to that list. Um, in, in uh, the Ninth Amendment. But basically, this is a list of stuff that just to be absolutely clear, 
you can't transgress people's free speech rights, their free exercise uh, of religion rights, um, all of those sorts of things, right? All that is laid out in the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Let's talk about the First Amendment. Uh, most people, when they hear the First Amendment, I don't know how, what percentage of Americans would just say, well, that's well, that's freedom of speech because that's what people tend to think about. Maybe some would say, well, there's also freedom of religion in there. But it actually lays out several. Let's talk about those. What are the the, the freedoms that are recognized uh, as, yeah. as uh, individuals having in the First Amendment? Sure. So the, the, the First Amendment prohibits the establishment of a state religion. It protects free exercise of religion, protects free speech, uh, freedom of the press, uh, which we can maybe return to in a second, um, freedom of assembly and freedom to uh, petition the government uh, for grievances. Um, and I, I, I mentioned the, the press point because it's uh, it's one that I think, you know, our modern ears especially. Right. You hear all those words and it's difficult to not read in. Uh, the way that we understand them now. I think one of the interesting things at the time of the, the First Amendment, there was no Washington Post. There was no New York Times. There was nothing like that. And so at the time of the founding, uh, freedom of the press was was not just uh, the ability for, you know, uh, incorporated newspaper companies uh, to ask questions of the president and then print them and distribute them. Um that was a uh, the ability of people to mass communicate uh, ideas, and it was a uh, protection that was available to individual people to, um, you know, to the to the news media to create books and publish books and pamphlets and all those sorts of things that had actually been critical at the time uh, of the founding. So, uh, but those are your your you know protections, specific protections uh, in the First Amendment. Yeah, and. Uh it encompasses so much and it's so brilliantly written that, you know, frankly, as, as our world has changed and, you know, you talked about what freedom of press may have meant then maybe means something radically different today. Right. I mean, freedom of the press, does that, does, you know, does that extend to the internet? Does it extend to platforms such as, you know, what people say on Twitter, freedom of speech, things like that. Um, so, you know, it was so brilliantly written, though, that it it's stood the test of time, hasn't it? It really has, and it's and it's because it's the principles that matter. Um, and for you know, for people like uh, like me, like many of us who are originalists, textualists, uh, but especially originalists, when you think about the the Constitution, the real question is, um, you know, when the Constitution was adopted, when something like the First Amendment was adopted, what did uh, not just the, the people who wrote it, um, but the people themselves, because they were the ones that the power was coming from. What did they understand um, that they were, uh, this, this government that they were creating, these rights that they were, uh, the government was being forced to acknowledge? What did they understand about that? Because they were the ones that the power was coming from. Um, and so that's the question you ask. And then, you know, the, the way to, to think through that is basically, well, what are the principles? And as you said, those principles can can change over time. Obviously, uh, you know, Twitter or X or whatever we're going to call it now um, didn't exist at the time of the at the time of the founding. Um, but that doesn't mean that those uh, free speech rights, uh, you know, were were uh, unprotected just because it didn't exist. Um, it's basically a you know the enduring principles that remain from those uh, you 
from the Constitution, especially from those uh, amendments to the Constitution that continue to apply uh, going forward uh, up until today. Let's walk through a, a real world example of of the First Amendment um, and how, how it would be applied here, uh, because I think it's it's a fair point. I think a lot of people would just look at it and say, well, that means the First Amendment and freedom of speech means that I can say what I want on Facebook or I can say what I want on on X, formerly right. known as Twitter. That right. isn't what the First Amendment says. So a, a platform, a company like X or uh, Facebook has the right to decide what they want to allow on their platform. But uh, walk us through, and there've been some, some court cases recently where they've tried to limit through government has put pressure on some of those platforms to say, well, we don't want them to say this. So we want you to censor this. That's really the difference here. And that's where it starts violating the first amendment. Am I right on that? That, that's exactly right. So it, it's very important, right? We, we think through um, most people, I think, when you are aware of even what the First Amendment protects, even if you're aware of the, the different things that the First Amendment protects, um, what you can miss is the very, very first words of the First Amendment, which is Congress shall make no law. Right. Um, it doesn't say Elon Musk shall make no policy. It doesn't say Mark Zuckerberg shall make no policy. Right. It, it says Congress shall make no law. And. Um, that's very important because the Constitution, all of the Constitution, virtually all of the Constitution, with the exception of the 13th Amendment, the entire Constitution is basically aimed at restricting what government does, um, not at restricting uh, individuals or, or, you know, or anyone else. Right. So I have the free speech right um, or I have the, the ability to tell my son, um, you know, that he has to play the quiet game. Right. I'm not violating his free speech rights. Right. Um, uh, and. You know, uh, in much in the same way, if government comes in uh, and tries to tell social media platforms that, you know, this is how they have to construct their their websites and what content they are either forced to care to uh, to have on their platforms or not permitted to have on their platforms or even to coerce them. You mentioned a uh, recent decision, Missouri versus Biden. This is a very important case um, where basically uh, the, the allegation, and, and there's a lot of evidence uh, in the record in this uh, in this case, is that the, the Biden administration, a number of officials in the Biden administration, were pressuring social media companies to take down content um, that they thought was either critical of the Bidens, um, was uh, contrary to the administration's position on COVID questions, sort of misinformation type questions and things like that. Um, and they pressured the platforms and the platforms would keep coming back to them time and time again, saying, but this doesn't violate our policies. And the administration would uh, essentially uh, indicate that, well, you know, if you don't do something about it, we may have to do something to you. And the platforms would eventually sort of back down from that and change their policies. And now the uh, federal district court and then just this past week, uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals held that that violated the First Amendment and and issued an order stopping the Biden administration from pressuring social media companies to take down content. Now, if those platforms had decided on their own, right, if uh, if Elon Musk had completely on his own decided, I don't like people saying X on my on this platform. And so I'm going to uh, to, you know, to uh, start taking down tweets that 
that make that argument or make that make that statement. Um, he can do that. It's his platform. He's not Congress. He has the power to do that, and that's his own free speech right. But when when the administration, when the government comes in and starts pressuring the social media companies, that's where the First Amendment does its work um, and prohibits um, you know prohibits that sort of government pressure um, because of those very first words uh, in the First Amendment. Right. Yeah. And and it's it's really good. I'm glad that we were able to go through that and explain the difference there, the nuance there. But it really is, again, the First Amendment is prohibiting government action, which will infringe yeah. upon these rights. Now, we've we've had a, a number of Supreme Court cases dealing with free speech over the last couple of years, landmark cases. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Coach Joe Kennedy on the podcast. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about his case and uh, Coach Joe Kennedy. Yeah, that's a, a, a significant decision this past term, and it really is a, uh, we, we filed a brief in that case from Americans for Prosperity Foundation um, uh, in support of my, my good friends over at First Liberty uh, who, who brought that case to the court. So, uh, Coach Joe, I'm sure for your, your listeners who uh, hopefully uh, watched the podcast or listened to the podcast before, um, but he was a, a high school football coach, uh, was sanctioned for having prayed after a football game and so ended up taking that case all the way to the to the u.s supreme court and the court held that the school district there had violated his uh, his first amendment rights and it really raises sort of an interesting uh, kind of two at least interesting questions one is religious speech in the first amendment there's always this sort of argument uh, much of my career has been spent litigating sort of religious speech cases around the first amendment free exercise um cases in the First Amendment. There's always an argument from government uh, that they try to make that, well, if it sounds a little religious, then doesn't it sort of almost kind of violate the Establishment Clause? And once you get re- close to violating the Establishment Clause, the government can avoid violating the Establishment Clause by censoring your religious speech. That's almost always uh, at least one argument in the government's pocket. And the court rejected that here. Um, this doesn't violate the Establishment Clause. The other argument in this case is, well, he's a government official. And so this is public employee speech and government has more power to try to restrict uh, the speech that uh, someone who is employed by the government um, is making. And the court likewise rejected that argument, at least in the the facts of this case. The government's um, uh, justification for censoring his speech uh, was just not sufficient here in order to uh, to overcome uh, Coach Kennedy's free speech rights to pray after the the game was over um, uh, at midfield. Um, so uh, you know it's a a great win that frankly protects the free speech rights of everybody. Um, it's very easy in these free speech cases um, to for people to get caught up in the idea that well this just protects people like uh, like Coach Joe. There are all kinds of faculty members on university campuses. This is part of our argument in, uh, in our brief for Americans for Prosperity Foundation. Um, lots of people who would probably disagree with his exercise of his faith, whose free speech rights were protected because the Supreme Court decided the case in his favor. Um, and that's how these constitutional rights generally work. Um, you know, defending one person's constitutional rights protects constitutional rights for everybody. Yeah. Well, one of the things when I was talking to Coach Joe that really struck me is when the school district told him, well, we'd prefer you didn't – we're telling you you can't pray on the field. 
but it would be okay if you went into a broom closet or a janitor's closet and prayed there. And I just thought to myself, you know, what, what lawyer for the school district thought, well, I'll bet you that's what our founders meant when they drafted the First Amendment was to, to make sure that people were taking their religious faith or their ideas and going into a janitor's closet where they could exercise them. That is not what our founders believed when they, when they, when they wrote the first amendment, right? No, that that's exactly right. I mean, that's the, the beauty of the first amendment is that it makes it very clear that we have the, uh, the ability to live out our faith, our beliefs in public, um, and that those are, are protected um, by the first amendment. Now, what about this, uh, the, the other case that uh, the 303 creative, I think is what the case was called uh, out of Colorado. I'm from Colorado. It seems like all of these cases come from Colorado. It seems we had the Baker a case a few right. years ago, um, but this this case was a was a landmark case as well for religious liberty. No, that's exactly right. So this is uh, three hundred three creative is the the follow on uh, to the masterpiece cake shop case. Um, likewise, uh, good friends at, at Alliance Defending Freedom who brought this case to the Supreme Court, and it's basically uh, a, a woman who uh, does. Uh, websites, uh, designs individual websites, and she wanted to start designing websites uh, for weddings. Um, and some of you have probably seen a lot of these where you can go and find out what's on the registry and uh, all that kind of information about the, the wedding. So she wanted to start doing websites to, to celebrate weddings, but Colorado has its anti-discrimination uh, act, uh, the same one that came up in the Jack Phillips case, uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop. And uh, what that would have done would have required her, if you're going to start doing weddings, you have to do uh, same-sex weddings also. Um, and you are prohibited from posting anything on your website that says, um, you know, that you don't even prefer to do uh, those types of, of websites. And so um, she objected to doing websites in the same-sex wedding context, wanted to be able to do uh, websites more generally um, in the wedding context. And so... Uh, they filed suit, challenged the law as it would apply to her. Colorado agreed uh, that, yes, it would definitely apply this law to her in this way, um, that what she was was seeking to do would violate uh, the Colorado law. Um, the Tenth Circuit, uh, the Federal Court of Appeals over, over Colorado, said, well, look, uh, you have a monopoly on your own. Like, yes, we agree that there are plenty of people who could do these websites, frankly, um, it doesn't even have to, have to be in Colorado. When you're talking about website design, it could be any website designer all over the world could design a website for you. Um, you don't have to go in and, and to a brick and mortar place for that. Um, but you have a specific ability to design websites like Lori Smith. Lori Smith has Lori Smith websites. And so you can't, um, uh, if Colorado has the power to be able to require you to to provide those websites um, because everyone has to have access to websites just as you would create them. It really kind of flips the whole notion of, um, you know, the, the, you know, the uniqueness of your ability suddenly becomes a tool that the government can use against you uh, and say, well, because of your artistic ability, um, you have to provide that artistic ability to everyone. Um, and the government has the power to, to compel you. Supreme Court rejected that argument. And in a pretty landmark decision in the 303 creative case, the Supreme Court said um, that a, a law like Colorado's cannot be used to, 
by the government to compel people to say things that they don't believe. Um, and that's a, a significant um, win for the First Amendment um, and one that I, I think we'll, we will see reverberate going forward. Yeah, and um, I, I, I'd love to have you back, Casey, to talk even get in more detail about some of these free speech, uh, free exercise of religion cases and things like that. Um, now, I would on that one, I, I want to play devil's advocate because there was a sure. lot of people when that case, the 303 Creative case came out who basically said, well, the court just said that you can be hateful and you can just yeah. decide you're not going to serve a certain person. How, how do you respond to that? Yeah, what the what the court didn't say, because the court actually took that question on, too. Yeah. Um, and what the court said is, look, um, anti-discrimination laws. Um, have existed for a long time alongside the First Amendment, and they can continue to exist alongside it. What you can't do is you can't use, this is a, a pretty unique new use of non-discrimination laws like this to compel people to, to speak, not just to provide a service. Um, you know, this isn't like, uh, you know, telling an innkeeper you must uh, allow people to stay at your inn, which is the, the sort of old uh, kind of the, you know, the, the common example of what these kinds of laws were, were aimed, aimed at doing. It's a totally different thing when you're saying you have to create custom uh, expressive services uh, for people. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that's, uh, that's the big difference here. Uh, when, you're, when you're asking people to speak, not just to, to provide a service, but to actually speak, create content, create words, um, uh, that's where the First Amendment comes into play. So, you know, I think these uh, the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act is still in force. It is still going to apply in virtually every circumstance, except for ones where Colorado would try to force people to say things. Um, and that's what the Supreme Court said you can't do. Right. Well, I, I know we're almost out of time. We haven't even gotten, I mean, we haven't even gotten through all of the freedoms in the First Amendment, let alone the Second Amendment, Third, and all, and all the rest of the Bill of Rights. And so I, I'd love to have you come back and we can get into some of those uh, in, in later episodes of the show. But for the purpose well, of... I am looking forward to, and I think all of your listeners would, be, would love a Third Amendment episode. <laughs> we desperately need... And in time, we, we should spend a half of an hour on the idea that the government well, cannot quarter troops in your home during peacetime. That is that is entertainment. Maybe, Casey, that would be a minute or two minute <laughs> podcast episode huh? on the third. But, you know, then we'll get into the Fourth Amendment and then it'll well, get so, exciting. So far, we're, we're undefeated at that. The government has <laughs> never, has never violated the Third Amendment as far as I'm aware. So that's that's great. That's great. The the only one that the government has never That's right. the, the government has never violated. Um what just real quick, I know obviously as we as we are going into Constitution Week, um what are some of the ways people can celebrate Constitution Week? You, uh, week you talked about reading the Constitution, that's so important. But what are some of the ways that they can celebrate? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to actually uh, put up a Constitution Day music playlist that I'm working on right now. Um hopefully by the time this uh this comes out, we can can get you a link to yeah. uh, Constitution Day playlist, right? Um, great. So, yeah, no, I think there's, uh, you know, frankly, um, I, I think reading it, um, checking out some of the links that we will put in the in the show notes that give you, um, you know, connections to some of the, the uh, uh, other content that people have put together on helping people understand the Constitution and appreciate uh, just the uniqueness of this document that has really made this country. 
Yeah, it it is. It's just such a special special moment when when this uh, constitution was adopted, and uh, not just for America, for the world. I mean, the world really has benefited by by this recognition that these rights are bestowed upon us and government doesn't have the right to take them away. So thanks, Casey. I appreciate you. Thank you. We are so blessed to be governed by the constitution, which says the government can't govern us in the way that sometimes government would like to govern us. What an incredible document. And I would just encourage everybody uh, to read the constitution. It's so easy to find. Google U.S. Constitution and read it. Take some time this week to read it. You know, Ronald Reagan, who's my political hero, Ronald Reagan once said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on to them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Now, I hope that never happens. I hope that we never come across that day. And as I say time and time again, liberty and freedom are easily taken for granted. Don't take it for granted. Understand the rights granted to you in the Constitution, go out there and defend freedom and liberty. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.